0: You are about to listen to Defending Black Girlhood Podcast. And I'm your host, Lalita G. I'm a black mother. Look, I don't care what Mookie, Maymay, May, and Lakeisha Uh-oh. mama does. I'm not Mookie, Maymay, May, and Lakeisha's uh-huh. mama. Tri- 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 a preacher. Give me the key of D. And Mary had a little baby. And his name was Jesus. A life coach. Look, girl. If chump don't want no help, chump don't get no help. Oh, and a singer. And I. And I, and I, no, I ain't a singer. Most of all, I'm an advocate for black girls everywhere they are, and I'm telling you right now, I am unapologetic as hell about my fierce advocacy for black girls to be safe in their homes, schools, and communities. Join us for courageous conversations about topics that most impact our girls, And be inspired to do your part in defending Black girls in your part of the world. Any scene depicted in this episode is a fictionalized dramatization based on true accounts and public records. We aim to give voice to the story and tragedy of Erica Hill's life. Some information may contain graphic, violent, or explicit language. Listener's discretion is advised. Did you see Erica's hair today? It's looking a hot mess again. I know. That girl looks like, don't nobody love her. I swear.
1: (laughs) One of her braids fell right off her head when we were playing kickball in gym class today. (laughs)
0: What? And why is she always wearing them hot-ass turtleneck shirts? I know she's gonna be hot as hell. (laughs) And them damn overalls that she always be wearing. Flooding like it's about to rain all day.
1: Okay, class, settle down. Today we are going to be working on our science
0: experiments. Do you think Erica heard us talking about her? Nah, I don't think so. Erica, are you okay?
1: Come on, Erica, let's go into the hallway so you and I can talk. Students, get into your small groups and go over your notes from last Friday while I go out into the hall for a moment. Erica? Oh my goodness, you're so upset. Can you tell me what's wrong?
0: miss hawkins i didn't mean to interrupt the class
1: it's okay erica you don't need to apologize tell me what's going on
0: my sister tiara is dead
1: she committed suicide yesterday she's gone and now there's no one left for me there's no one left for me anymore i don't have anyone else
0: So today I had a little bit of lunch with my brother and he asked me how I was feeling about the story and kind of did I feel like it was consuming me and I said not consuming but I feel like it's really driving me. I feel driven about the story and really committed to getting the story out and as we were sitting there talking a family came and sat down and I looked up and it was Carla Williams and she's home. She is a grad student in journalism out at UC Berkeley and she's home and we start talking it was just like a chance meeting. Carla and I had worked together at Ward as volunteers doing radio, just a chance meeting. And I told her what I was working on and she was telling me about a product she was working on. And all of a sudden she goes into, well, yeah, when I was in class with Erica, she said, I was like, wait a minute, wait, you know, Erica, Can you please come in the studio and share what you know? And so Carla Williams is here with me today. Carla, thank you for joining me. No problem. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So, you know, like I was saying, I just feel like there's something greater than myself that's really driving this story to be told. And I really feel like it was divine that we connected today and really am looking forward to having this conversation with you. Me too. So just as a start off, what is one word that you would use to describe Erica? Uh, I would say,
1: um, I think I would
0: say she's very, like, meek, timid, very soft-spoken. Okay. And tell me a little bit more even about her personality. What do you remember? I remember her being, like, a big jokester. Her always,
1: like, looking for things to laugh about or being really funny and having, like, always um, just having things to laugh and share So she was, like, a big jokester. I just remember us being in, like, a girls' group together. And during our time in the girls' group, it was, like, an an opportunity for us to talk about, like, coming on our period or just coming of age, things that we were learning to deal with and adjust as women and as girls. Mm -hmm. And I just remember her, you know, for the most part, not really, like, wanting to overshare or say too much and, like... Other people in the group were more willing to talk about like our first periods or things like that, and I feel like she was a bit more squeamish or like less willing to share those kind of things.
0: Do you remember what which grade you were in?
1: Yes, I think we were in seventh. Okay, we were in seventh grade or eighth grade in this group. And who was doing the group? Uh, Laurel Finn. It was a woman who was a kind of a guidance counselor at Wright Middle School.
0: Okay. Yes. Okay and did you know Erica in sixth grade as well, or did you guys just get to know each other in seventh grade?
1: I knew her, but it wasn't like we were, like, friends or hanging out. Like, we, I feel like most of the people at Wright can attest to you get to know everybody because it's a small community. Right. Whether you're, like, friends or not, you get to know a bit about each other. Sure. Because, like, the school isn't as large as, like, the other schools. That's true. That's true.
0: And so one of the things that... One of the ways, I should say, that Erica was described by her brother was that she was a behavior problem. Did you ever notice any behavior issues at school, her getting in trouble, any of that? No, actually. I feel like it was more the opposite.
1: During my time with her, she was always very apologetic, even if something wasn't her fault. I just noticed she was always very, like, sorry for it or, like, she just felt like she needed to make sure that everybody knew, like, oh, it's okay, everything's okay. Kind of person. Okay, just kind of
0: trying to get everybody happy around her, yeah. not trying to cause any trouble type yeah. of a thing. What do you, if anything, recall just about her general appearance?
1: Um, I remember she always wore crochet braids, and the crochet braids would, like, the reason I remember them is because they would always be, like, to the point that they were, like, falling off of her head. They would be, like, you know, when you when you get those really curly crochets, they start out really curly, really, really, like, poofy, and hers would be in her head for so long, they would be, like, straight and, like, falling off of the braids and, like, those sort of things. I remember her having, like, a bit of scars on her face and those kind of things, and I always remember her clothes, like, being too small for her. mm I guess, like, growing up on the south side of Madison, that was just, like, things that not most of the people didn't really have, like, a lot of money and they weren't really wealthy. So I didn't think about it in terms of anything other than, like, maybe that's just how it is in her home. Because mm-hmm. I know, like, especially me, myself, my mother didn't know how to do hair really well. Okay. So for me, my mom's like, you're going to wear this hairstyle until you can't wear it anymore. <laughs> so
0: okay.
1: I just had the mindset that maybe that's how it was for her as well. Mm-hmm. But I remember her braids just being, like, really, really to the point that it was
0: matted. Wow. You know, one of the things, that's very similar to what Geneva Hunt said mm-hmm. when she was in there talking about her. The crow had shade.
1: Yeah, it really, really...
0: Yeah. It, it was to, like braids would be just falling
1: out. you just shake your head just a little bit and the braids would just fall out. And like I said, her, I remember her pants always like... You know how people like flood? Oh, yes. She was like, they were, she was past that place. Okay. It was pretty bad.
0: You know, and one of the things that I said to Geneva is that black girls' hair... Mm-hmm. It's kind of one way you can tell how they doing yeah. in life. Anybody can have one bad hair day, but when someone is to that point or it's of consistently a bad hair, consistently day. every day is a bad hair day, and mm-hmm. there's just the hair is just not done at all. That's usually some kind of a red flag. Yeah. Doesn't mean that it's something as desperate as this situation, but black girls' hair is one way to see how they doing in life. Would you agree? I
1: most definitely would agree. I think right now, as a graduate student, I can attest to like when I'm going through a hard time, my hair is like it's very so so mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. um, especially because it was like in the beginning, I was I felt like when you, when your student loan first hits, you know you got that new weave. it's looking good. <laughs> and then when money's getting a little bit funny, you might have to start curling it yourself, right. And when you ain't got no money, it's it might be in a ponytail, okay so, okay like.
0: so um, do you min- remember anything else about her clothing that she wore? She
1: always wore these overalls. I remember okay. her wearing overalls and I remember her wearing like these sneakers and they would like the sneakers were like really, really old mm-hmm. from the first time that I had ever seen them. They were always really old. What about her tops? Oh, that was the one I was saying that like, they were always too little. They mm-hmm. were always too small. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes they'd have holes. Like it just was, it just was never like, it seemed like, you know, like when you start a school year, you, you get brand new clothes. Right. It never, ever looks like she had brand new clothes. Okay.
0: Do you recall her often wearing turtlenecks? A, striped, a
1: turtleneck and a striped shirt. A stripy turtleneck. Okay. I knew you were getting to it. Yeah,
0: yeah. Hot or
1: cold no matter the season, she had on that, like, it was, it was, like, either, like, a um, a blue one or a striped one. And she was always wearing it. And it was really, really, like, it was too small. Like, you know how, like, you can put on something it's, like, up, like, you can see, like, past the forearm. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's fashionable. But, like, right. other times you can tell that it's just too small. Right. Well, even though she would, like, usually wear overalls, you could see that, like, it was kind of, like, becoming a crop top in a way.
0: Okay. Did you know her sisters at all? I went to school
1: with them, but it wasn't like we were friends. Like, her younger sister was a grade below me, and her older sister was a grade above me. Okay. And we all went to the same school, so I knew them in that way, and we were, like, sociable, like, hey, girl, what's up? Mm -hmm. But it wasn't more like, oh, this is my life, this is my day, or these are my struggles.
0: But how would you describe how they looked? Their hair, their clothing?
1: Oh, they were a lot more fashionable than her. I remember her, her older sister always having a ponytail. And... It seemed like she was managing her own hair and it seemed like Erica maybe was not.
0: Okay. And what about clothing? Would you say they're a little bit more fashionable?
1: Yeah. She always wore a turtleneck and it was all of her clothes were too little mm-hmm. whereas like her sister's clothes they definitely fit. And remember how there were, people used to wear those like velvet long jumpsuits? Those ones that were, like, baby girl jumpsuits, uh, and they used to be, like, a little bit furry or whatever they're called. Yeah. Yeah, they used to wear, like, those and those other kind of things that were, like, in fashion at the time. I feel like they were more of that, but they weren't, like, always, like, I wouldn't say they always looked incredible, but in comparison to her, they looked a lot better.
0: Wow. Okay. One reason I asked that is because a lot of the court documents that I've been reading and things like that and reports that people have made on behalf of Marie Hill has been, oh, she treated all her kids the same. She treated Erica just like she treated everybody else.
1: Personally, I can't speak to how she treated her, but I can say in terms of, like, appearance, Mm -hmm. it was a visible difference in the way that she dressed versus her siblings. Okay, okay.
0: Did Erica ever talk to you about any abuse that she was experiencing?
1: No. Personally, she didn't speak about abuse to me or those sort of things. Like I said, I just remember her always being very apologetic about everything. I remember, like I said, I remember her sister passing away, and I remember her just being, like, so distraught. And like her being like, there's no one to speak. There's um, I have no one left for me. Or, there's no one left for me. It was years ago, so I can't really say specifically what she said, right? But I just remember it being something along those lines. Okay. I mean, I feel like when you lose someone, it's always going to be hard,
0: absolutely. But I
1: feel like it was like to the point where it was like gut wrenching to her.
0: Hmm. Did she come off as if Tiara was like an advocate for her, maybe? I didn't even know that she had a sister until this woman passed away. I didn't even
1: know that there was a relation to them okay. until the sister passed away. And then we were in we were in a science class together. We used to have science class with this woman named Miss Hawkins. But um, we used to have a class together, and in that class, I just remember specifically her crying like uncontrollably, and the teacher taking her onto the hallway mm-hmm. and her saying this about her not her sister like having no one else. Wow. And that's the reason I really remember. Like, bits and pieces, I feel like, of your life experiences stick with you because something may have happened that stood out more than other things. Right. And I feel like most days were pretty basic. Mm -hmm. And there would be a lot of days where she would be just absent from school for, like, months at a time or weeks at a time. And then she just kind of popped back up like it was nothing. Mm -hmm. And so when she disappeared after the situation with her sister, Mm -hmm. I thought she'd maybe be at graduation, but I didn't see her ever again after that. Okay. And I think that that was maybe, like... They had sent her home after that, or maybe she just because I remember her crying. I don't remember if she came back to class or not, or what happened. But I do remember that experience, and then after like some time after that, not seeing her anymore.
0: So actually, what happened was that Miss Knutson. Do you remember Miss Knutson? Miss mm-hmm. Knutson approached Erica because there was some general concern from some of the service providers at the school, like the social worker, Miss Knutson, that there was something going on with Erica, kind of just her demeanor seeming like. There was something she wanted to say but couldn't say, that type of thing. The fact of her dress, the fact that she wore turtleneck and long pants, no matter what the weather. There's all of these different signs that were going on. And one day in 2004, sometime after Tiara had committed suicide, some months later, Ms. Knudson approached Erica and she said, Erica, can I see your neck? And Erica didn't want her. She said, I'm fine, I'm okay, I'm okay, okay. And she just kind of persisted. And then Erica allowed her to pull down her turtleneck, and she saw scratches on her neck. And she saw some other scratches, like, on her chest. And at that point in time, Ms. Knutson went to the social worker in the school, and they called Dane County Human Services and reported abuse. The next day, Erica was pulled from school.
1: Oh, my goodness. I, I didn't know that. I do remember her having scratches on her face. Like I said, I, she used to wear glasses. It wasn't like severe scratches or anything like that. It could have been like like little scrapes. Mm-hmm. I feel like when you're young, you get scraped. Sure. And so that's what I do remember. I remember her wearing turtlenecks, pants, and having scrapes important like not great hair mm-hmm. but as far as like the other things i didn't know that and that's like that's horrifying to know that a person that you're seeing from day to day for years could mm-hmm. be like suffering in silence in that way right and not really have whether it be another classmate or a friend i don't know if she had that but it, the fact that you know she didn't have that support in that way or someone to advocate for her whether it was her sister or someone else to protect her is horrifying to me. I think that, like, myself personally, I, I love my big sister to death because I feel like she's always been my idol in a way because she's always been very vocal and brave about speaking up for herself. Mm-hmm. And I can't imagine what it would be like to try and speak up for yourself and then be silenced. Right.
0: So the thing that stood out to me so much about that was, from what I've read, Tierra had gotten to the age and stage in life that she wasn't as afraid of her mother. So she was beginning to stand up to her mother. She was acting out. She was having some trouble. That if you look at her behavior, hindsight, pretty consistent with someone who probably was having some severe home issues. Although there's some kids who get in trouble and home is fine. But Tiara was really kind of standing up to her mom and just kind of when you're when you're five, you're gonna respond to abuse in one way. When you're older, you're gonna respond in a different way. And when you mention that. After Tiara died, Erica felt like nobody was going to be there for her. It made me think that maybe Tiara was that voice in the family that may have said, leave Erica alone. Stop beating her, stop hitting her, stop whatever. And that she may have been a little bit of a buffer between Erica and her mother.
1: I don't want to speculate as to what it was or wasn't because I Mm -hmm. wasn't physically there. But what I can say is that, like, during my experiences... With her, it seemed like her the siblings that she had, like Kiera, Sierra, and Julius, like it didn't really seem like they were very close or tight-knit. So the idea that someone else, maybe Tierra, was standing up for her, mm-hmm. I think is very realistic because it seemed like when we were students and in class together, like they didn't really sit together. They didn't really hang out together. Unless you knew that they were related, you didn't really know that they were hanging out or mm-hmm. that they were together because you didn't really see that. Yeah. Whereas I feel like... Like I said, I I grew up like really being fond of my sister. So it was like people who knew my sister knew me
0: Mm because it was like I was
1: like connected at the hip. Wherever she's going, I'm going too. I went to all of her friends. Uh And like, whereas like with them, I didn't really see them hanging out. I didn't really see them together. Like when it's time to go to school and go home, you see them together. Okay. But throughout the day, I don't really remember seeing her with them.
0: So in class, at lunchtime, you're not sitting together at lunch, that type of thing. I remember
1: her being really into books. Okay. I do remember that about her. I remember her being really into books because we had a book club and we had a reading contest. I remember her being really interested in those sort of things.
0: Do you remember what kind of books she was really into? No, I don't want
1: to. I don't want to make that up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be dishonest. No, no, but no. I do remember her being really into them because mm-hmm. I like, and maybe that was like a place for her to find comfort and solstice. But yeah. like, I do remember her being interested in that a lot.
0: Nice. One of the reasons I wanted to come in because I'm really working to build a sense of who Erica was. Mm-hmm because I feel like her voice, her experience was really silenced. And even in the situation with her being murdered, and then being a Jane Doe for eight years, like another silencing, you know, because nobody even knows who you are, you dead somewhere, and nobody even knows who you are. And so trying to find ways to build some sense of who she was, what she liked, what she did, you know, that type of thing is so important. So that's why your voice is important adding to add into this story. And I really appreciate it. So 2004, sometime in eighth grade, mm-hmm. is when Erica was pulled from school after the abuse was reported. And from reports from the social worker, he had tried to get in contact with Marie. And then two days later, after that initial report was made by the school her apartment was empty and they were just gone. And so what I've, what I've read is that they were gone for maybe about two years out of Madison, a year and a half, two years. Then they came back. When they came back, Sierra, Kira, and Julius, mm-hmm. all were re-enrolled in school. Erica was not. And Erica was listed as being homeschooled. And in court reports, Maria's quoted as saying that the reason that Erica did not go back to school was she refused to go back to school.
1: I guess I strongly disagree with that part, her being saying that she didn't want to go back to school. Because I remember in eighth grade, you get to pick what high school you want to go to. And I remember a memorial memorial. West, East, and La Follette coming to our middle school. Like a person coming in and talking about each of the schools. And I remember her saying that she didn't need to go to any of the other ones because she was going to West.
0: All right. And that's what I'm talking about.
1: Very committed to the idea of it. Yeah. And like I remember myself like wanting to find out more about West and Memorial and like, oh, I don't know. I'm unsure. And her just being like without a doubt. That's where she's going. She doesn't need to check about anything else. And I don't know if that was like something that they told her at home or what, but she just seemed really sure About her choice and where she was going. And looking
0: forward to high school. Yeah,
1: like she seemed really excited about it. It seemed like she was more optimistic about it. I don't know what reasons it was, but she just seemed really invested in going to West.
0: Yeah. So after you start high school, you don't see Erica. What do you think about that?
1: Well, I think it was before I started high school. So eighth grade graduation... I, don't, I didn't see her at the graduation, and I remember her being excited about graduation, too, because, like, we had our yearbook and those sort of things, and it seemed like she was interested in those things. Like, it seemed like those sort of things mattered to her, so mm-hmm. for her not to come to graduation, they like, seemed like a big deal, because, like I said, everyone else was graduating, and Wright was a smaller community, so mm-hmm. it was, like, the idea of someone not being there, you, you see who's there, you see who's not.
0: It was noticeable.
1: Yeah. It was visible that she was not there. And I think it was visible that she wasn't there for the the end of the semester, mm-hmm. the end of the, like, the school year. So when we got to high school, I started going to Memorial. And I would see her siblings, but I wouldn't see her. So every now and again, I would ask about her. And then they would um, say, they like, oh, she's doing good. And we just leave it at that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then there was like... um. One particular time when we were inside of a Walmart and I ran into Marie and Sierra and I was like, just saying, oh, hey, girl, how's it going? And then I asked about her again and they had told me that she moved. And this was after high school. So I just was under the impression that she didn't live in town anymore. So I didn't really like keep on pressuring about it because if she lives in a different state, I don't want to be like, hey, you know, hopefully I'll run into her. Because, again, I hadn't seen her since mid school year of eighth grade. Okay. And then, like, when they tell me she moved, you know, every now and again when I see them, I say, oh, how's she doing? How's she doing? And that was it. It, I won't, like, exaggerate it like I was Mm -hmm. pestering them every time I seen them. But it just was like every now and again I would ask how she was and they would say she was fine. And then it got to the point where they said she moved.
0: Because I'd like to ask that question to various people because in court reports it's reported that Marie said after the incident with Erica and the disposing of her body that they never spoke of it again, her and her kids. And she stated that no one ever asked about Erica. No one.
1: So that's not true.
0: Yeah. I know it's not true because
1: myself, and there's like a few people that I went to school with, who we would they also like when the story broke a lot of people came out saying that they asked about her from time to time mm-hmm. who were also in the same grade as us mm-hmm. because like I said she just disappeared kind of abruptly so it wasn't right. like it wasn't like oh this is my last day guys I'm going to another school it was like she's here she's not we don't see her anymore right. so I think more people than not would be wondering where is this person mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I won't say like oh she was like a very popular girl or really involved but like I said the right community is small Right. so we knew e- who each other was Mm -hmm. so when someone disappears for a while it's kind of inevitable that one or two people maybe more will Mm -hmm. ask that question so it seems unrealistic for someone to say that nobody asked about this person Mm
0: -hmm. and I think for me reading that it just felt like another attempt to kind of diminish her importance as a person that she could just disappear and no one cared because I think that's important to underscore that people did ask about her
1: I also feel like it's kind of a way of brushing the situation under the rug in a way because right. it's like, oh, this what what happened wasn't a big deal because she didn't matter as much. Exactly. People didn't really care. Exactly. And I feel like it's taking away from the fact that a person lost their life by Absolutely. saying even if nobody asked about her, the fact is that right. this thing happened. Exactly. And that she was human. Right. So I think that, like, regardless of whether someone asked about her or not is not what the big takeaway is. The fact is that she was disposed of in a way that was inhumane. Her life mattered. She had intrinsic dignity to exist as a human and as a person, and that was taken away from
0: her. Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you happen to remember back at Wright, do you remember Erica being involved in anything? She was involved in the girls group. Mm -hmm. Do you remember her being involved in other after-school programs and activities? Honestly, personally, I was not involved in any after-school okay. activities, so <laughs> like, I can. So you name. wouldn't have seen her there. <laughs> like, no, I wouldn't
1: how. have seen her there either way. Like, okay, I feel like growing up, I was like a very big mama's girl. Even to this day, I am. Mm-hmm. So, like the idea of staying at staying at school or away from my mother any more time extra than I needed to, yeah. just wasn't going to work for me. Actually, I take that back. There was a group called MyCap, an after-school program where they did homework. And she was there for a bit. But like I said, there was a lot of days where she would be out of school. Mm -hmm. And so she would be in and out of this group. And I think that happened around eighth grade, seventh grade. And that was the only group I really went to after school. And I would see her there, but not often. Okay.
0: You reporting that she'd be in school, like sometime be gone, in and out, two weeks, maybe a little while, back and forth, in and out really underscores something that Kiara had reported that sometimes they would be pulled from school if the abuse had gotten so bad that it would be visible that they would be pulled from school. Well,
1: she definitely disappeared from school a lot because like we had this teacher named Mr. Branch and we had like a geography class together Mm -hmm. and... In that class, we had, like, this big project where we were talking about, like, different places in the world. Okay. And I remember the project because everybody went and they had their turn. Mm -hmm. And I think this is, like, when we first found out about, like, Madagascar. Okay. And she got this thing called Madagascar. And she was, like, she just was so impressed by it. And I remember it was, like, her turn to present, but she didn't come back until we started a whole new subject. So she didn't get to present it. Wow. I remember that. Like, I I just only remember, like, that small bit of it. Yeah. But I just remember that because it was, like... Again, it was something else that she was really excited
0: about that she didn't get to do. Right, right. Just, like, small things, big things. Yeah. All adding up to a childhood really not lived. Yes. So, 2015, a report comes out that Marie Hill had been arrested for the murder of Erica Hill. What do you think when you hear that?
1: Honestly, I was really shocked. I remember seeing... Marie, all the time and her being really nice to me, her being really kind to me, her always being excited to see me, having like embracing me, just being kind. Mm -hmm. And I never had like... Did she know you
0: like that, to be hugging you? Honestly, I don't think so. Did y'all have that kind of relationship?
1: We weren't like friends. But I mean, like I feel like even when I see like uh, my other classmate's moms, I'd be like, hey girl.
0: You hug on them too.
1: Uh, yeah, like when I see G- when I see Geneva's mom, I was like, "Hey, girl!" But now that's
0: different. Were you and Geneva friends?
1: Me and Geneva were like, we were like friends, but we wasn't like oh, best, like having sleepovers or anything, right?
0: Braiding each other's hair. Yeah, or nothing like that. it was
1: nothing like that. Okay. I mean, I went to like a birthday party or two, but it wasn't like we was like a spoon coons. Yeah.
0: Okay. So you would see her; she'd hug you and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it was never like
1: an aggressive yank me to or anything. Right, it was like, right, hey right. Like, hey, girl, like person to person, hey, what's up? Okay. And uh, I remember, like, one year in particular, I was looking for, like, my first real purchase of a car. And Sierra was also looking, like, we were at the car garage just right across the street from Famous Dave's. okay. I was over there looking at a car. And Sierra also was looking at a car with Marie. And I think Marie was in the car across the street at Famous Dave's. Mm -hmm. And me and Sierra, I think we were, like, joking about the car, saying something intimate. It wasn't, I don't really remember what it was, but we had a laugh. And then her mom kind of, like, swerves up to the curb and it's like, get "Get in the car. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if her mom, like, she had been waiting for a long time or whatever the situation was. I honestly can't really say. I just know the mother pulled up to the curb and kind of, like, it struck me as odd because, like I said, every time I had ever saw her, she was kind to me. She was nice to me. Mm -hmm. It seemed out of character. So Mm -hmm. that's why it was memorable. Okay. And... Did you see her at school a lot at right? She did. I feel like she would always kinda of do random pop ups. Like it was like she'd be like I feel like I personally I myself and other classmates, we would you'd know someone's parent was coming because you'd be like, Oh, I'm leaving early today, or blah, blah, blah. Like you'd talk about it. Right. Whereas like these two, like with Erica or with even her siblings, I don't really know them well, but it was like they would all seem a bit shocked that she was there.
0: hmm
1: It wasn't like a planned thing. Okay. Whereas I feel like if I have a doctor's appointment or something like that, my mom probably told me in advance. Right.
0: Did their behavior seem to change at all when she popped up?
1: Honestly, I don't think so for Erica because I feel like she was always apologetic and she was always really like, she always seemed like she was trying to keep everyone at
0: peace. Mm -hmm. So
1: it's like if her personality changed in a a drastic way, it Mm -hmm. wasn't noticeable. Okay. Because she was always seemed like she was on edge anyway.
0: Okay. Okay. So did Marie seem to pop up more than your average mama?
1: Of course. I feel like she did pop up a lot more than most people's parents. To me, personally, I feel like she popped up, like, at least once a week, sometimes biweekly. That's a lot. Like, I feel like it was just very, very often. I don't want to be, like, exaggerated, but it was often. Mm -hmm. It Mm -hmm. wasn't like, oh, hey, I'm coming to pick my kid up today. And sometimes, like, they would go and come back to the school. It wasn't like they were gone for the whole day.
0: Okay. Okay. So. Mm -hmm. So now, back to 2015— The word gets out that Marie was arrested for killing Erica. What was some of the things that you start hearing maybe from some of the kids you went to write with and just seeing on social media and all that kind of stuff?
1: There was, like, a lot of conversation around people saying that they had been in the home and that, like, everyone always had to clean up. And, like, they always seemed like they were on punishment or in trouble in the home. Mm -hmm. And, like, it seemed like people would say that on social media, I read through, like, a social media post thread that... People, when they would go to the home, felt uncomfortable because it felt eerie. It didn't feel welcoming or inviting.
0: Interesting.
1: And I guess, like, I understand that because I feel like when, I, when I've when i been in someone's house and it mm-hmm. doesn't feel welcoming, I don't want to go back. Right. Most people, your body reacts to different things differently. So when you come in someone's home and it doesn't feel welcoming, you can feel that. hmm I feel like also when you go to someone's home and it feels loved, you can feel that too.
0: Absolutely.
1: And... Like, a lot of people would be like, oh, she wasn't nice to them. Or, like, a lot of people would be like, she was kind of, she was always kind of, seemed upset. Like, that's what people were saying on, on
0: Facebook, specifically. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that the way children respond and react to an adult is different from how another adult will. I mean, I think there's certain things that kids really pick up on that... You kind of lose as you get a little bit older, mm-hmm. you know, because everyone, I'm not going to say everyone, but many, many people that I've spoken with or reports that I've read by people speaking about Marie have just centered on how nice she was, how giving she was, how she would cook for you. She'd give you her last dollar. She'd do all these things for you. But things that I've heard from young people have been more like that. Mm-hmm. Like she was scary, scary. You know, I felt uneasy around her, that type of thing, which is just, I think, sometimes more so, like I said, like the innocence of kids, they don't have all these blockers up. So they just kind of call it as it is. They talk about how they feel and they don't ignore their feelings.
1: I agree. I also think that, like, there's this idea of groupthink, where, like, Mm -hmm. if a person says this person is nice, you agree. Sure. And so I think that the more people, especially, like, to have her have her history of being in church or these other sort of things for people who are older that kind of creates the idea of this person is good. Mm-hmm. And I think that like we all have an idea like, oh... This ex ex person has been to prison, so we'll deem him as bad. Right. And Y person has been to church, so she is good. Right. And so the more things that she would do in the community or be visible, it's a, she's able to hide in plain sight because right. it's like your your mind will trick you into believing a person is something if more people say it Absolutely. or if you hear it more. So I think that like even when the idea came out or when the whole story broke. In 2015, most people to this day still don't want to believe that that's what happened Mm -hmm. or that it was a truthful thing because there's this idea that if this person is good in my mind, this person is good. Right.
0: And I don't want to change my mind about that because I think people don't like to feel duped. They don't like to feel wrong and they don't want to feel like own that.
1: Yeah. Also, I think that like if people own that that she was hiding in plain sight, Mm -hmm. it forces them to own that they allowed this to happen within, like, in their plain plain sight. Right. Like, they somehow feel like, oh, if I knew, if I knew that she was bad or if she was bad and I didn't know, then that somehow makes me accountable for what happened. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that people, especially adults, want to take responsibility for the fact that something like this happened Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: be held accountable. Right, right.
0: And I think that people have to be held accountable, not responsible, but accountable, Mm -hmm. because I think a lot of times too often black girls hide in plain sight and black girls are often very invisible and their issues are very often overlooked. And I think that if we look closely, no matter how painful it is, at all the places and the points where the opportunities to save Erica were missed, By church people, by school people, by community, by social services, by the police, all these various entities that if we look painfully close and lean into it, hopefully we can learn something for the next Erica.
1: I agree, because I think that this story, while it's about Erica, I think that it's about a lot more black girls who have experienced this as well. Mm-hmm. A lot more people who are currently suffering through the same things. Absolutely. I think that when you when you learn the signs and when you learn the behavior, it makes it a lot easier to point out. It makes people a lot more willing to speak up.
0: Absolutely.
1: Because I think that when we're talking about like Erica in this story, I think that it's really important to think about, her brother saying that she was problematic or she was well she wasn't well behaved. And I think that more times than not when a person isn't quote-unquote bad or Mm well-behaved, there's underlying layers to their behavior that aren't being discussed. Because nobody wants to throw temper tantrums and behave badly in public or in private either. I think that that usually signals that something isn't right or something that's happening within themselves or within their home life that they can't Mm. control.
0: But I also wonder if it's just another attempt to mask what the mom did. Because reports from her principals who knew her all three years that she was there, Mr. Holmes and Ms. Evans said Erica never had any office referrals. She never had any behavior problems. Now that's not to say that a child couldn't have behavior problems at home and then act differently at school. That hasn't been my experience. My experience is, is the opposite, that Black mama say, sit you behind down somewhere at home and you sit you behind down somewhere. But when you go to school and Ms. Smith says sit down, you may think that's an option. You know, I usually see it that way. Like behavior at home is better. And then come to school, you act out.
1: And also, I think that, like, especially when you're a child, if your parent tells you something, you're more willing to believe it. Right. So I think if the parent is saying so-and-so is bad, then it's easier to believe that this person is bad. Right. Even if your your gut feeling tells you otherwise, mm-hmm. we've been trained and conditioned to listen to our parents. Absolutely. So if your parent is telling you this, it's easier for you to feel and agree and believe that thing. Right. Right. And especially if over time you hear it, mm-hmm. you're, you condition yourself to think this is what that thing is. Absolutely. Like like myself and my sister, we were talking about our mother telling us don't eat salmon because it's nasty. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until we got to our adulthood that we tried it on our own and we we're like, actually, salmon is really good. Uh-huh. And so it's like I can think of it in this situation, in this context of being like, wow, I hear this thing about this person. And the more that I hear it, mm-hmm. I believe it and I feel it, whether right. I saw it with my own two eyes or not. It is now my belief.
0: Absolutely. And also, your mind has to go somewhere, I believe, to justify why is this person getting this treatment? So, one of the things that Kiara said was that Erica got it worse than anybody. She got the brunt of the abuse. Then kind of her. And the other two siblings, Sierra and... Julius. Julius, thank you, are saying, no, that's not true. First of all, none of us got abused. And then second of all, Erica didn't get any worse. But when you kind of just line up other things, that she looked different, her hair was different, her clothing was different than the other kids. That is just giving some outward sense. Something was different in the way that she was treated compared to her other kids.
1: I agree. I do feel like something was different. I remember um, going to West with Kiera. And us having, like, similar friend groups and, like, people in the friend groups being, like, she's always sad or she's always emotional. hmm And I don't remember people saying that about her in middle school.
0: Interesting. So
1: I feel like there was something different about her from their leave and their return. hmm And I don't really know what that was because, like I said, we weren't friends. We just right. had similar, like, we had friends in common. Sure. So. What year did you start high school? I started high school in August of 2005. Okay.
0: One of the big questions I have. After Erica and all the kids were pulled out of school, they came back to Mass, as I said, and, and it was stated that Erica was being homeschooled. So essentially, from that day at Wright, when she reported she was being abused, until February 2007, that's a whole block of time where I haven't found any indication of what was going on with Erica during that time. And then from 2007 to 2015 she was a Jane Doe so at first I thought she was just missing for eight years but then I found essentially she was really missing kind of for like 12 years
1: so when you say that is it like wherever they moved to Mm -hmm. no one knew that that like Erica even existed
0: well I don't know about that but what I have not found is when she came back to Madison that I don't know if she was seen from that time. She obviously, to me, and I'm to speculate, okay? I'm to speculate that Erica reported, Marie finds out, and she basically says, you're not going back to school. You want to tell somebody on me? You're not going back to school. So that she was out of school and what was going on? That's what I really want to know. During that period of time, did she go to church? Did anybody see her at church during that time? Did anybody see Erica out in the community? Like, was she confined to home? Personally, I never saw her again. Like, after mid-semester
1: of middle school, I never ever saw her again.
0: So she was back in Madison from, like, 2005, 2006 to 2007. She was back in Madison for that time. And I have not yet heard from anyone that says they saw her. So, when the family
1: disappears, Erica comes back home with them after the disappearance?
0: Presumably, because she was killed in Fitchburg. So, evidence supports that she was killed in 2007, in February. So, you know, you could speculate, well, was she dead sooner? But evidence supports that she was killed in February. Some date, no specific date has been set. But then February 2007 is when her body was found in Gary, Indiana. So where was she? What was going on? And one of the things that they said was when they found her is that she was in some state of starvation when they found her. In addition to all the other ways that her body was desecrated after her death.
1: She was very small and frail when we were in school too, so I mean it's a very like strong likelihood that that started before her leaving school.
0: It's very strong possibility. I shudder to think what her life was like even before she was killed, because obviously it seems like she was kept out of public sight and and definitely punished for opening up her mouth. Having hearing about this story and having known Erica personally. Has this shaped you at all and impacted you in a way?
1: Yes. I feel like personally, um, I have, a, I have a young niece. So to me, it's like I want her to go into school and go into spaces and have compassion for other people. I want her to notice things like that and be like, oh, do more than what I did. Instead of just assuming like, oh, this is an everyday thing or, mm-hmm. oh, this person has a home life. Maybe ask questions, you know, like just because a person's quiet. Ask them, are you doing okay? Or those Mm -hmm. sort of things. Like, show some sort of care for other people. Yeah, And I think that, like, for me personally, it it made me want to try harder to learn people around me instead of just writing them off as, like, oh, she's weird or Mm -hmm. she's different. Mm -hmm. I feel like when I first found out about it, it made me very sad. Yeah. Because it was, like, to know someone and to know that they were going through something like that. Right. To sit beside them in school and for them not to be able to tell anyone. I can't imagine that. Yeah, And I feel like in the moment it made me sad, but I feel like it was also a reality check that people are always going through something, whether it be this severe or something really small. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it takes something simple as just showing compassion for the person beside you. Absolutely. More than anything else, I I would really love for her story and her experience to be just like a wake up call for everyone Mm -hmm. that like. Everything needs to be loved. Every, like, nurtured, cared for. Imagine how different her life could have been right? if it was just someone showing just a little bit of love, just a little bit of care. Because even when you say a teacher approached her in the hallway mm-hmm. and wanted to ask about her scars and her bruises and love her and what the way that she maybe she needed to be and it, it didn't have to be an embrace or some sort of giving to her, but just love her enough to want her to be helped. Yeah. I think that it would have been beautiful to have more people do that for her. Yeah. I feel like in saying like not letting her go home, I feel like Marie still had guardianship of her. So she ultimately she still had the ultimate say so and where she couldn't couldn't go because this wasn't a confirmed thing. It was just a a speculation or an investigation. And I think that like to say we don't want her to go home and like what if this were something different? You know, we can say like, oh, she shouldn't have went home and those sort of things. But what if she wasn't being abused by her? Mm -hmm. And then we send her home, you know, and we take her away from the home. Mm hmm. I mean, the fact of the matter is that she was. Right. But we've all seen people grow up in impoverished lifestyles or things like that, and then have things happen to them in their home, and then they, they're separated from their parent or their family, and that wasn't the case.
0: The thing that's hard for me to really wrestle with is that sometimes there's really no perfect answer, even if abuse is reported. I feel there's a lot of work we need to do with the system in order to respond to it well, particularly to respond to abuse well for Black children. I agree. Honestly, I feel like there are way too many white women that are in power over social services. And abusing those powers. Abusing those powers. And they lack empathy and love for our children, yet they have a lot of power in making decisions about their life. And I feel uncomfortable about that.
1: I agree. I think that I have this really weird relationship with structures of power Mm -hmm. because, like, there are sometimes that can be used for really positive things. Right. But ultimately, more times than not, we see them not being used in positive ways, especially for Black people in Black bodies. Absolutely. And I think that this is a situation where it was like, more could have happened, more could have been done, more should have been done. Yes. And it wasn't. And I think that we can all remember a situation where more should have been done, more could have been done, more wasn't done. Mm-hmm. And too much was done. Right. So I feel like there's no right or wrong way to look at the past and only try and think about what we can do now for the future for something like this word to have happened.
0: Absolutely.
1: Something like this word to take place. And I think that. Trying to dig apart what ways black women, black girls, black families mm-hmm. can approach this kind of situation because we have so many families that use spanking as a form of punishment or use. Getting the belt, the extension cord or whatever to discipline their kids. Mm -hmm. And I think that like approaching it from that way and saying, what sort of ways can we look at this and make sure that this person isn't being abused? What sort of ways can we look at this and make sure that this person has the adequate amount of help to speak up? Because if we would have known her speaking up was going to lead to her death. Right. What could we have done differently? Right. What can we do differently for the next Erica that speaks up and her voice is silenced? How can we protect our Black children and make sure that it's done in a way that still keeps dignity for them?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's one of the things, there's so many things about this story that keep me up at night. And I think the fact that she didn't exactly tell she was being abused per se. She was approached and asked questions, which is different than someone telling. I think, Questions need to be asked, and I think that was the right thing to do. But that's one of the parts that really is sad to me, that finally, finally, somebody is doing what's appropriate in reporting this abuse, and she's just gone. She's just gone after that. It didn't have to be that way, and I'm looking at the various pieces that played into that. Because there was a time also in two thousand and four where Erica was taken to the hospital for an injury to her finger, and she wore a cast.
1: Did she? she? Do you remember yeah, that she had a cast? This was around like this was around the time that she ended up leaving school, mm-hmm. or like shortly around then.
0: Yeah, and there were some signs about that that didn't seem right. Reportedly, when she was asked to change, Marie took her out of there mm-hmm. because there was some concern the speculation was that there was concern that people would see the scars. And so she left. And there was a social worker who came in on the scene with that. But that a bit of going the other distance, going further, and having some kind of checks and balance with systems. Because I've talked to some people, and I'll go into this more in another issue of this story, that other people have said they reported her early on. That they saw abuse when Tierra was a toddler, that people in the community had seen abuse. For one reason or another, social services didn't follow it through. And then you have the instance in school, the instance where she was at the hospital with the finger injury, that social service got involved because she leaves. That's going to look very, very suspicious. But no one carried it all the way through. And even with these incidents of her being reported, her leaving and them closing the case and everything, she's working in the school district. Where's the checks and balance, I'm wondering? She had actually been convicted of anything, but I feel like if somebody has been reported more than one time to human services for potential abuse to a child, I'm thinking that should be a red flag that that should come up if you are applying to work for children. That's what I think.
1: I agree. I couldn't agree with you more on that. I think you can't love your children at home. How can you love my job? So, like, what's what's mortifying even more than that to me is that, like, there were so many instances where people reported it, where people tried to speak up and talk about this and protect her, but Mm -hmm. she wasn't. I think this is another instance of where the system does fail people.
0: Absolutely.
1: I think, of course, every system is going to be flawed because there's, like, the human element to everything and every situation is different. Right. But I think that, like, to know that so many people spoke up, to know that it wasn't even just speaking up about Erica and... Her not to be protected in that way. Right. It's frightening. It is. Because I think that black girlhood is always, especially in school, you have this thing of you're being too loud or you're being too something. Mm-hmm. And for her daughter to be in a situation where it's like she's rebelling because she needs help
0: mm-hmm.
1: and she's not getting it. Mm-hmm. And then you go home and you're still rebelling and you're being beaten into submission.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: To the point where it's like you don't have anything left to give. Right. It's frightening. Yeah, it is. Because I think, and then to go into a school system and it's like, what ways can you help my child? What can you possibly teach them or encourage them? Because you're already teaching your kids at home to be silent. Right. You're already teaching your kids at home to be fearful of you. Mm -hmm. So it's like, is my kid supposed to be fearful of you? Is that what you're going to teach them or protect them? Because to my knowledge, she was working with disabled children. So yeah. Disabled children need even more care, love, and support than the average child. Absolutely. So it's like when they may have been disorderly or when they may have been a little bit less than stellar in their behavior, how were
0: you handling them? Right. Because the question comes to mind, was this a part of the whole persona? Say that I'm in church. I'm an involved parent. I'm feeding the homeless people. I'm cooking for folks. And also, I take care of kids with disabilities. Like this whole systematic creation of a persona. So let me ask you this. But before we jump from that, how
1: scary is that? To think that it's someone terrifying. can weave a, a web or a layer like that of themselves to mask something like that. I mean, like, you hear about those sort of things in, like, serial killers or mass murderers where they, like, create this identity of being so kind and loving, but in reality, they've got, like, 10 bodies in the freezer.
0: Because you, in your studies, one of the things that you're focusing on is criminal... Yes. i Am um, not saying it right? Criminal justice. There you go. So you probably look at a lot of cases, have seen a lot of cases, have heard about a lot of cases... And it is scary. I'd like to feel like I'm a really good judge of character. If I hadn't met her or knew her, that I would have known something was off. But even in that case, sometimes you don't know what exactly it is. Like Something just don't hit you the right way, and you just don't know exactly why. One of the questions I have for you is, is this a case of a really, really good woman, this kind, generous, giving woman that everybody believes her to be, and she just did one real fucked up thing? Or is it a case of this was a fucked up situation and the mask was who did good?
1: I think it was a combination of the two. Because, mm. I mean, I think that if you spend so long creating a persona, eventually you're going to take part. That's It's going to stop being an act.
0: Mm-hmm. You're going to believe it.
1: Yeah, you're going to believe it too. And I think that what may have started out as her trying to cover her tracks Mm -hmm. maybe became her identity. But I think that ultimately you can't shed who you are. Right. Like if it's in my nature to rob people, I may take a break from it, Mm -hmm. but I'm still going to have that idea of like, Oh man, that'd be really nice to steal that thing. Yeah. That thrill or that desire for it will still be in me that thirst for it. Yeah. And I think that there's no way to say that she was a great person Mm -hmm. entirely Mm -hmm. because for years, she had this identity behind closed doors that she right. was not. Right. So I think that it would be impossible to say that she was a good person who made a mistake.
0: It's hard for me to understand how you go from this good person to covering up this death because you're scared, supposedly, that they're going to take your kids if they find her dead. You're this good, Christian, loving, wonderful generous person and Erica, you just found her dead in your house. How do you get to the point where you pull out her teeth? You know that they are going to use dental records. So you pull out her teeth, you burn off her fingertips so they can't have any fingerprints. You burn her body. You dump her body. Like, how do you get to that point as the average Joe? How do you even know to do that? Most people like you are watching True Life, True Crime,
1: NCIS, those sort of things. Because I was working on something with a classmate. It was an investigative reporting story on a man that was killed and then his body was dumped off in a homeless encampment in Oakland, California. Mm. We tried to reverse engineer what happened to this person. Mm. And so, like starting from the beginning, it was like it seemed like this like amateur thing where they were doing these things to this person to try and guess who this person was. Mm-hmm. Like we were like, oh yeah, this person also had their teeth taken out. Dang. So it seems like a common theme that people, whenever like someone they kill someone, they try and burn their body. Okay. That's like a, a common theme that people think this will dispose of a body, but it really doesn't. Mm-hmm. Taking out their teeth and taking off and burning their fingers—it seemed more advanced than just someone, an amateur person, just it- someone on the street doing that, it seemed like maybe there was some trauma in her life. Maybe she had experienced something similar. She had known, I feel like it would be more than just like a guess. Cause personally myself, if I were to think about, okay, I killed someone. My Mm -hmm. first inclination wouldn't be to yank out their teeth or burn their fingers. No, I would be my, First thing would be, how can I get away from this person as quickly as possible? How can I get them away from me as quickly as possible? Right. I wouldn't get as gory as to take out their teeth or to do those things. So to think of a person doing that, it must have been more of a psychological issue or some sort of underlying thing that they were dealing with, or maybe it was something they had seen previously.
0: very sophisticated.
1: That's what I'm thinking. And then to dump it in another state. Also, it makes me wonder, like, were there other murders? Had they also, because you had to think about that, she had her children aid her in doing this. Did she have someone make her aid them in doing something similar? Wow. Because to know in your mind to do these things. Right. How did you come up with that? I mean, even when you watch True Crime and those sort of things, you may hear someone say to do that. Right. But that wouldn't be the first thing that snaps into my mind if I had done something like this.
0: I can't imagine even having the unction to be able to carry it out. You know, I wouldn't want to be caught. Now that I understand. I have no problem understanding that. Being like, uh-oh, what have I done? I get that, and I want to be caught. But going through all of those steps, I just don't get the average Josephine could even stomach doing all that. And good mother, loving mother, always doing the best for their kids, which everybody is saying, could involve her kids who were like 17, like 15 and 12 or something like that at the time. Come on, y'all, help me. Dispose of his body.
1: But I also think that just from hearing things about her as a person overall, it's already telling you that she's not the average person because I'll give you that we're saying that like she's weaving this character identity when she returns to mm-hmm. make sure that she's covering her own tracks even further by being more engaged in the community by doing all the other things, creating a character that no one would believe did something like right. that. And then she's also like having the knowledge to let me disappear for a portion of time so that way, if they are looking for me, it's a portion of time that no one will think about it when I reappear in the community. Mm-hmm. I think that like there's so many layers and complexities to the story that are letting you know that she's not an average person, that, that what it. happened was not an average thing to have happened. I don't think that even if my parent had killed someone, I don't think that their first idea would be to call me to help them expose of this person. I would think that my parent would want to protect me from it. Right. Like they wouldn't want me to know that they did that. So right. So that lets you know that like whatever's going on in the home, whatever's going on in their life is far deeper than just a surface level thing.
0: Absolutely. And it's hard for me to jump from my mother was good. My mother never abused us. And I'm just, again, I'm speculating the hell out of this story. My mother never abused us. She was good to us. She was wonderful to us to grab her legs and arms and let's throw her outside. Let's go burn her body. How do you jump from, I'm sorry. It's easy for me to believe that she beat the hell out of the kids. All them years, and then this was just one more level of abuse upon them, then she was just perfect all them years, and is lying. They were never abused, and though, oh, but could y'all help me dispose of this body? Let's take a ticket out. But I also feel That's like... That's a if, big jump.
1: If you're going to say that this per- this parent was loving and caring and kind, then the way that Erica's body was handled would have been with more love, more care, and more kindness.
0: Now, as a person who focuses on crimes, why do you say that in particular? Because usually when a person
1: who, like, is gentle or kind at heart, yes. they have a sense of remorse when they do something. Right. And you see that in the way that they would dispose of a person. And this person yes. is disposed of more in, like, a more vicious manner, a more angry yes. manner. So, like, whenever you hear someone being disposed of who's like, oh, I was really remorseful, I was really sorry, like, this loving, kind person that's being created the way that they would be disposed of would be like, oh, let me like bury them or let me do something more kind to them. Whereas like they kind of treated her like very barbaric in nature, yes. throwing her away, taking her teeth away, burning her fingers off. Putting her in a trash putting bag. Putting her in a trash bag. It was like another another way of just kind of reiterating her barbaric nature.
0: Yeah. And reiterating you're nothing but a piece of trash. That to Erica, but I mean, specifically
1: Marie, her her character trait was more like, just the the way her approach to the whole situation was very barbaric.
0: And I'm glad that you brought that up because I think that's a really good point because I didn't watch enough crime shows to know that even if somebody kills someone that they don't even know and they're remorseful, they cover them up with a blanket, sometimes they'll, you know, put them back together in some kind of way to show their remorse for it.
1: Or they would have even dumped their body and called someone else. You know, yes. like something something more to indicate that there was a care in this person. Right. And the way that it was handled wasn't handled with any type of care. At all. And I think to include it's the children, violent. to include the children is to snatch away any form of their youth or their innocence so there right. couldn't have been a lot of care for them. It was mostly care for herself because it's like me personally, if I'm going to do something bad, mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to incriminate you.
0: Exactly. Because like I'm like,
1: oh, I don't want to put that on them. Right. So if I'm willing to incriminate you, that means I'm only caring about me. Right. And if I'm saying I'm this loving, care, compassionate person, then that's kind of that's a that's a jack's pose
0: of my character. Right. My identity. Right. And I'm not saying that she didn't love her kids, because I don't know that. But that is the kind of love I
1: pass. I mean like I don't wouldn't say that she doesn't love her kids right. but I would say that there's more love of self than more love of children yeah. in this situation. Like yeah. why not
0: just leave? Why not you left before? Why not just grab the kids up, don't let them go in the house. Grab the kids up and this book. I think maybe because uh, she had invested so much time in creating her persona here. Also, but why not just leave?
1: Also there's like an even bigger question to me of like why did she eventually let the other kids go back to school and not Erica? Like, if you know that these things are happening in the home, wouldn't eventually there be a possibility that one of them would
0: tell? Well, now Kiara reports that they were all told that if you tell, I'm going to do the same thing to you that I did to Erica. That probably would buy some silence. I don't doubt that it wouldn't buy some silence,
1: but I just feel like these things are happening to her, right? Mm-hmm. And she's the only one staying at home. Right. My biggest question is why isn't she making the other children stay at home? And why just Erica stay at home?
0: I think I mean, it was punishment because Erica's the one who let the cat out of the bag. So the punishment is like, okay, if you're going to go up to them school, and I'm just speculating. This is what's coming to my head. you going to go up to them school telling them white people about what's going on at my house. You're not going to go to school no more. You just stay home.
1: I agree. I think there's always this um, what goes on at home stays at home identity in the Black community, and for her right. to go against the grain of tell like well, there's some level what, of
0: that that you know you need to keep close to your chest. Yes. You can't be going telling white folks everything. Yeah,
1: I agree with that too. You know, like we said like with so certain structures, there's always this thing of like, especially for African American people of them being abused right. with the system. Right. So Absolutely. I, but in this situation, I think that like, it just wasn't. It needed to be handled differently. Absolutely. And I think that, like, there are so many underlying questions about, like, why did she let the other kids go to school? Why did she do this? And why did she do that? And I think that, like, when we're evaluating this, I think that there needs to be, like, more of, like, maybe a psychologist or someone to provide maybe a deeper understanding of what this all really means. Because, Mm -hmm. I mean, those children are adults now. Those people will need more love and care than just people being like, your mother was awful. Right. I think of my mother as a protector, as a caregiver. And I think that mm-hmm. even in what she was doing, there was maybe an element of her teaching them that I love you and I care for you. Right. Because even like there may be a Stockholm syndrome or something like that going on. I mean, on.
0: I agree and I get that, you know, because I grew up in a very abusive home and I still love my mom. And that's just what's true. And I think you get so used to it I think it's kind of like this. Imagine starving and you are just so hungry. The first couple hours, the first couple of days you're hungry, you're thinking about steak, you're thinking about burgers, you're thinking about all the good kind of food that you'd want. But, you know, after about a week of not really eating, two weeks of not really eating, you know, all of a sudden a bone that a dog is chewing on look good. I agree. All of a sudden, crumbs look like a cake because you're just so starved. And I'm looking at that in this way from emotionally. Emotionally, you're so starved for attention, for love and care, for tenderness, that even crumbs of love, even crumbs of tenderness, you go for them. I agree. I think in this situation,
1: it's frightening to think about what those crumbs were. Yeah. Because if you're constantly being abused and then every once in a while you're being rewarded and then that love is right away snatched away, mm-hmm. I can't imagine what that would be like in a home environment.
0: And I also think that having that double personality and being abusive at home, but out at church and in the community being this wonderful person that everybody is lauding, like, oh, she's so wonderful. Oh, your mother's so great. Your mother's so great. This type of thing. To me, I think that's another level of abuse. Because you have to deal with the fact you don't even begin to know who this is.
1: Also, I wonder, was there ever a character slip? Because in the community, she's this really amazing person, and at home, she's not. So I think that, like, in the community, was there ever anyone who can attest to, like, she wasn't always that great or were the people that she was helping or were the poor and needy that she was helping service or were the youth that she was helping take care of, were those mm-hmm. people ever able to say that she wasn't this person, this great and amazing person? Because even when you're creating this persona, even mm-hmm. when you're creating this identity, at some point your mask falls, right. even if you put it back in place at some point, at it's bound some to point. fall.
0: And I think everybody is built differently. Tierra was part of the crack in that because I've talked to a neighbor That said, Tiara would tell me, you don't know my mom. You don't know how she really is. And I think for some, they go for them crumbs. And for others, the two diabolically opposed situations, they can't ever bring it together in any kind of way. And just the little I've heard about Tiara makes me think she was a crack in that. And that it was difficult for her to live with that lie. And maybe that's one reason that she did have so much outward turmoil with her behavior and her actions, because that was her way of saying everything is not perfect. It could have also been
1: her way of asking for help without asking for help. Exactly. Because if you're consistently drawing attention to yourself, people are going to eventually wonder what's going on with you. Why are you behaving this way? And instead of looking at you as an individual they'll start looking at you as a whole with your parents, with your siblings, with everyone. And I think that maybe her rebellious nature was her protecting her siblings in the best way that she could. Right. Absolutely.
0: So the last question I have for you is if you could say anything to Erica right now, what would you say? Honestly, I don't know. That's a really
1: wonderful question. I, Oftentimes when this first happened, myself and a couple of other girls, we had this conversation and we all kind of were like, I wish I would have known. I wish I would have known. But the reality is, I think that even if I did know in my child mind, what would I have done? What could I have done? What would I have done to protect her? What could I have done to protect her? And I think that I would want to apologize to her, I guess, more than anything else, because I think that not only for myself, but just like as a community, mm. I would want to apologize to her for not knowing what it meant to be a child. I want to apologize to her for not being able to exist fully and wholly. I think that beyond apologizing, I guess I would want to know what she needed. I would want to not only just like, I guess instead of me offering out what I would want to say to her, I would want her to be have the voice to say things to me. And cause I think that for so long, People have been talking for her. So I think that it would be more beneficial instead of me saying things for her to talk, for her to have the opportunity and the platform to finally use her voice.
0: I love it. I love it. Carla. thank you so much for taking the time to come in and just sharing your, your thoughts and sharing your memories and sharing just your insight through your work that you're doing right now to this conversation. I think it was very important to add this in And so thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you for having me. And I truly,
1: truly hope that this story is heard by millions because for so long, her voice hasn't been heard by anyone. And even in the court reports and in everything else, it's like she's been portrayed as this person who didn't exist, this irrelevant and non-existential person in society. And I think that she deserves to be more than that. And I hope that this story is her opportunity to be more than that.
0: I hope so, too.
1: I wish you the best of luck in your in your reporting and your Thank studying you. and in your learning about her life and her family. And I hope that it's
0: beautiful and it's rich and it's fruitful. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Can we pray before we end this? Yes, absolutely.
1: Father God in heaven, we come to you, humbly decreasing so that you can increase God. We ask that you use Lolita as a as a platform, as a as a beacon of reporting and her voice to be heard for Erica, that you use this story, that you use these things to help other black girls and other black women in the community who need this support, who need this love. Thank you, God, for bringing us into each other's paths. Thank you for allowing us to fellowship earlier today. Thank you for letting us have this moment in time right now that we will never have again, God. Thank you for loving and caring on us in the way that you have. Thank you for all that you have done and will continue to do. And in your holy, precious name, these things we pray. Amen.
0: Hey, man, what a beautiful way to end this conversation. Yes, of course. As my grandmother would say, "Mm, mm, mm," that was a good conversation. And listen, we're not playing. We mean this thing. We mean to defend black girlhood by taking on the tough conversations that need to be had in order to do so. And we would love for you to get more connected with our work and our mission by visiting Laleta.org to explore the dynamic work we're doing to defend black girls everywhere they are. And while you're there, we invite you to join our mailing list so you will not miss one single fearless conversation.